0: Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. Well, we've come, finally, we've come to the last chapter of 2 Corinthians. And we're gonna finish this up here in a couple of broadcasts and move on to a new book study that you'll not wanna miss. Now, if you have happened to miss any of our studies in this book, all of those are avail- available on our podcast. Our podcast is entitled Striving for Revival. It is available wherever podcasts are found, and it's free for you to subscribe, and then you'll have instant access to all of these Bible studies that we've done, and maybe it'll be a help to you as you study along with me and we read the Word of God together. Paul has been defending himself in this epistle, and he's been very gracious and very kind and gentle as could be expected. But when you come to this final chapter, out of the gate, Paul is is stout. I mean, Paul is direct. Paul is going to deal with the issue in the church at Corinth. Let me stop and say, don't get mad and don't blow up and blow out over a preacher who deals with things. It's amazing how people got so rapidly supportive of a politician that was brash and blunt, and yet when their preacher stands up and tries to declare anything in a bold fashion, they get uptight. Now, don't do that. No, no, no. We need to take correction, all of us, whenever it comes our, our way. But I want you to see this. Now, you say, well, Paul's being mean. No, he's not being mean. He's, he, he's doing this in the Spirit, not out of the Spirit. Paul's not operating in flesh. He's walking and warring after the Spirit. And let's see how he deals with the close here of this book. It begins in verse 1 and says, This is the third time I'm coming to you. Now, I believe what he means is this is the third time he's attempting to come to them. Uh, he tried earlier, didn't get there like he said he would, and the Corinthians used that as an argument against Paul. But Paul said, now I'm coming. This is the third time that I've, I've planned to come to you, and so so be ready. Now, here's the next line. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So what he's going to do when he comes is he's going to deal with what needs dealt with, and he's going to deal with it publicly. He's not going to do it behind closed doors. He's not going to do it one-on-one, but he is going to deal with this biblically in front of two or three witnesses so that everything that's done can be vouched for and established that it was taken care of and it was done correctly. Verse two, I told you before and foretell you as if I were present. He said, so now I've already warned you and let me tell you, I'm gonna say this when I get there. The second time and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. So now Paul is saying, when I come, I'm not going to overlook or veneer. I'm not going to sweep under the rug. We're going to deal with what must be dealt with in this church. I'm not going to spare. I don't care whose name's attached to it. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care what kind of tenure you have in this assembly. I don't care if you hold a position and have a title. I'm going to deal with what needs dealt with. All right, verse three, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you it is not weak, but is mighty in you, <clears throat> for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. So let's talk about these two verses a little bit. So Paul is confronting those who's questioning his apostolic authority. He's been doing that throughout the epistle. And so we go verse three and verse four, and it's almost like it's a parenthetic thought before we get back into verse number five, but it, it doesn't matter. What Paul is saying here is Paul said, you know, the power of God via the gospel, because you've seen it at work in your own life. He said, if you've been born again, then you know there is power in God. The power of God works in you. The faith came by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and you know there's power, power to redeem and power to save and power to transform your life. So, since you I think you have a proof of Christ speaking uh, through you. He said, I'm going to give you some proof of Christ speaking through me. I'm going to give you that proof. Verse 4 says, For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. So Christ was crucified not through his weakness, quote unquote, but voluntarily. He was voluntarily humble. He humili- he allowed himself to be humiliated. He allowed himself to be taken prisoner. He allowed himself to be abased, to be scorned, to be lied about, and he never opened his mouth. He did not revile again. He he, he was smitten, but he didn't smite back. He allowed himself to be perceived as weak, if you will, when he had power. Why? To be a blessing and a benefit to the entire world. He died as our sacrificial lamb. Paul, the same, had voluntarily humbled himself and taken a lot of shots from the Corinthians. He had dealt with them largely with kid gloves on, treated them as though they were in the spiritual nursery. All, and, and some of them had mistaken that for Paul being weak. But Paul was going to let them know, neighbor, I'm far from weak in the Lord. I've just been trying to be easy on you. So, just as Christ was crucified through this voluntary weakness, he lives by the power of God, the resurrection power. Paul says, hey, listen, we have been humanly weak among you, but hey, can I tell you something? The power of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells within us. And he said, when we come and when we serve, we're going to do it in the power of God. Now, verse number five and verse number uh, six are some powerful pondering verses. Convicting to consider. Maybe something that we ought to preach more in our pulpits in America. Here's what it says in verse 5. Examine yourselves. Now, what does that mean, to examine? Take a closer look. Inspect. Dive deep. Cut back. Uncover. Dig in but every area of your life. He said, I want you to, with a magnifying glass, a fine-tooth comb, get the tweezers out, uh, get a, a microscope if you need it, get a bright light to shine on it. I want you to examine not me, not your neighbor, but examine yourself. Now, here's what he says. I want you to examine yourselves on this front, whether ye be in the faith. So here's what that means. Examine. Test yourself. Look at the evidence. It's like trying a case in a court of law. Examine yourself. Prove to yourself. Are you in the faith? What does he mean by that? He means you need to consider this. Contemplate this. Are you actually saved? Are you sure that you're born again because of your attitude, because of your unwillingness to get right, because of your blatant rebellion? I want you to honestly think about it. Is there anything godly inside of you? Is there truly the Holy Spirit within? Are you honestly a child Of God. Now, here's what our carnal world today, our secular society, our worldly Christendom would say today: "Judge not, that you be not judged." Well, Paul said, "I want you to judge yourself. Judge yourself. Look at yourself. Study yourself. Test yourself. Prove yourself." Here's the word: "Examine yourselves. Are you saved? You never uh, listen. Are you saved? You don't want to read your Bible. Examine yourself. Never have time to pray." examine yourself, have no burden for souls, examine yourself, could take or leave church, examine yourself, always have a bitter spirit, bad attitude about godly things, examine yourself, always questioning critical and carnal in every area of life, examine yourself, Uh, in love with things that God hates, examine yourself, whether ye be in the faith. Test yourself on this front. Determine, are you really saved? As Christ demonstrated in your life? Don't be a reprobate. He said, Are you a reprobate? What's that word reprobate means? That means one who's failed a test. That means one who hasn't met the standard. That means one who has not reached the bar. And he's saying, Are you a reprobate? Are you saved? Are you a reprobate? Are you in the faith? Does Christ dwell within you? Have you failed the test or did you pass it? He said, I want you to examine yourself. No more playing around. I don't have time to write any more chapters to this letter. Or the holy spirit's about done with this communication to your church he said so here's where we're going to end this thing examine yourself are you even saved or am i trying to get a bunch of lost people to act like christians instead of a bunch of lost people saved he said because i want to know how to handle you when i come what a scary statement that is until next time pray with us for revival thank you for joining us today for striving for revival with justin cooper assistant pastor at north valley baptist church in santa clara california